right, hello everybody. This is uh, Mike with Christianers America. We're back with uh, our good friend uh, Chet, my co-host. How you doing, Chet? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing good. We're excited. We have uh, Marvin Zeser back in studio today. Um, he actually kind of hit on uh, during one of our last podcast on Antelope about filming, and the light bulb kind of came on, saying we need to do a small little how-to, little small segment just as it relates to filming our hunts um, when we're out there by ourselves. So uh, we'll kind of let Chet. Uh, kind of talk about a few things as a brand new uh, filmer. He, he's always pushing me to film, and of course, half time I leave the the camera and the the GoPro in my backpack, then the the hunt's over, and I remember, then I pull it out, and then I sorry, Chet. So <laughs> <laughs> um, Mike threw himself under the bus. It's funny we've all forgotten stuff. Um, I've forgotten to turn the GoPro on, and you have you know the regular camera, the regular video camera going on. And as a, as a new videographer that I'm trying to document other people's hunts or because Christian Hunters of America, we do a lot of mentorship that I, I enjoy filming kids or new hunters. And even if we don't turn it into a, a big production, um, it's fun to be able to play back and at least send them on some videos, whether it's via email or putting it on a CD or DVD rather, and letting them, you know, relive it. Um, in the, today's day and age, we can film a lot on our phones and with the technology advancement with the phone scopes and being able to zoom in on your binoculars and whatnot. But there's still something to say about having better audio quality from a video camera or the perspective from a GoPro um, or a small camera like that, that you get the up close and personal shots or you can set that up um, in my short couple years of, of being into this. You know, I like setting it up where you're on a small tripod if someone's laying down prone um, from a rifle standpoint and then the video camera getting the, the long range shot. So you kind of get both perspectives. I haven't done it as much on archery unless it's been spot and stock. I haven't done any any of the uh, video videography from within a blind or from other people just because it's out in the open on most of our hunts and most of the time it it allows us better opportunity when we are rifle hunting just there's more cover on lately but enough about that we're here to learn about uh all of our mistakes because you've been filming your hunts in state out of state and out of country for a long time as marvin has touched on some of the previous podcasts he's been on um he barely briefly touched on the the filming of the hunts and that he's turned some of those into videos but if you want to just talk about the how-to we don't have to talk about um, everybody has their personal preference everybody has a price limit or you know where you can get obviously the more money you can spend you're going to get better equipment but if you want to just talk about the techniques and the meat and potatoes aspect of having better quality videos if you're trying to self-film or film for a, a friend well thanks for having me uh here again today and uh to me uh, i i'm not sure exactly why i started filming my hunts it it just i guess watching hunting shows on tv years ago just wow it'd be it'd be awesome if you could film your own hunt and have those to enjoy later and and uh it took me several years, just like hunting. I failed a lot before I, I got good at anything. Um, not one of these guys just naturally 
uh, succeeds at, at any of these things the first couple of years I try it. So I spent years trying to, to get a, a kill on film and failed over and over and over. Just like Mike, I'd forget to do it or I wouldn't be pointing. And trying to self-film yourself is pretty difficult. Um, I finally got better at it. Uh, if there were a 10-point list of, of the most important thing to get good quality filming of live animals or animals you shoot or uh, any aspect of uh, filming, uh, I would say item number one, three, five, seven, and nine would be to put your camera on a tripod. Um, absolutely crucial to having good video. A lot of the software now where you can do film editing uh, have gotten great at stabilizing video. Uh, the cameras themselves do a great job of stabilizing now. Cell phones do a great job of stabilizing now. But if at all possible, uh, put it on a, a tripod. I do film editing on the on the side uh, just because I enjoy it. Uh, when hunters go on hunts of a lifetime and they, they film their hunt, their whole trip, they bring me the film and hire me to put it together into a movie for them with... Uh, sound and credits and all that kind of stuff voiceover and i really enjoy doing that uh for people's hunting films and trying to make lifetime memories um, and i tell them before they go put it on a tripod especially if you're hunting out of a blind i've done a number of african trips for people where they bow hunted out of a hide in africa and i tell them to put it on a tripod and they don't do it uh, i can't stress enough they they get home and and they start watching their clips and they realize that it makes them nauseous to look at it. It's like watching a roller coaster ride and and they're very disappointed with all these clips trying to watch them because the camera's just going crazy and and uh, it makes me look really good when I can stabilize it all out and, and make a watchable movie out of it. Uh, it makes me look really good, but it, you really would get a much better quality product if you would just always put your camera on a tripod. Um, in a blind, there's really no reason not to. I usually hunt out of a double bow blind uh, most often when I'm hunting in Arizona. And uh, I put a, I get a small tripod, lightweight tripod. I put the camera on it and I put it in the very bottom of my shooting window and I shoot over the top of it. In some situations, maybe you could have it in a different window. If there's two windows facing forward, you could have it camera in one window and you shoot out of the other. But the, the vast majority of the time, I want it as dark as possible in the blind so that I can move. You have to reach over and turn on the camera. You have to draw your bow, um, maybe knock an arrow. Whatever you have to do, it's nice to be able to move around. So you want it as dark as possible in the blind. You don't want to be too close to the window itself. you got to be back inside the blind a little bit so that you're back in the dark. I would suggest wearing black. Um, sometimes I wear a black ninja mask. Even on my, sometimes my videos, I won't have the mask on, but um, but it really depends on the angle of the sun coming into the blind too, how much black you need to have. But even camo doesn't work near as well as black when you're inside of a blind. Um, there's some YouTube videos that, that show people sitting in a blind in camo, and then they're sitting there in the same angle of the sun in black, and, and it's night and day how, how much darker they look in the blind with black. So... Uh, I would recommend that. I would put the camera as low as possible, as far forward in the shooting window, usually not sticking out the window because any movement, if you touch the camera to turn it on, 
the animal's going to see that. But I try and get it as close to the window as possible so that you can zoom back or zoom in and you're not going to get the, the edges of the blind in your video. And then I just shoot over the top of it. Um, sometimes I'll use a small shotgun mic um, for better sound, and that'll pull in sound if the animal's farther away. But uh, for hunting, it's not the sound isn't that crucial unless you're hunting something like elk that's calling. It's really good to have uh, a shotgun mic attached to your camera for that. Um, and you can get a pretty high-quality one for you know, $75, $80 maybe. That's, but, but, but that's not necessarily what you need as a beginner. A lot of the cameras do a great job with sound now, more so than they used to. Um, uh, just get a camera and start doing it. Put it on a put it on a tripod. I, um, the very first thing I do when I see an animal coming through the trees, I reach over and I turn the video on. I frame it. I zoom in or or whatever I need to do where I think the animal's going to come, where he's going to be for the shot. If I think he's going to water in a particular place. Um, I get it going, I have it on autofocus, and then once it's set, uh, uh, I have the screen pointed at me so that I can keep an eye on it. Then you've got to concentrate on your shot. You've got to, to watch the animal waiting for the shot. I'm a very, very, very patient person when it comes to the shot. Um, part of that is that I want to get some video of the animal. A lot of people shoot at it as soon as it comes through the trees. They, they shoot at it when it's coming towards them. I don't like head-on shots for the most part. I don't like quartering towards me shots. So I want the camera, the animal to come in. I want him to relax. I want to get maybe a minute or two or three minutes of him uh, acting natural when he's coming in or if he's in a herd with other animals. You want to do that. Um, I, I The first few times I tried to do it, I would hit the record button, but it didn't turn on. And I didn't pay any attention to the little red light wasn't on. So uh, that was one of the early mistakes I made a lot. So now part of my most important part of my routine is when the animal's coming in, I turn it on. I look down, I verify that the red light's on. And that's very important. I make sure that it's recording. Uh, get ready to shoot. I wait till the perfect shot. Um, I like the animal to be broadside. I like its leg closest to me to be forward when I'm hunting with a bow and... I'm very, very patient waiting for that shot. And I, I realize a lot of things could happen. Um, absolutely drives my friends nuts when they see my videos. Oh my God, you know, three, three minutes has gone by, four minutes has gone by and you haven't shot yet. I'm waiting for the perfect shot. I wanna get some footage of that animal when he was alive. Those are the things I'm gonna enjoy years from now when I'm watching that video. Um, but uh, uh, I think that's the, once you and then at the very last minute, I look at the screen, make sure that it's framed properly in the shot. Um, doesn't necessarily have to be centered in the frame. Sometimes um, a little bit off center with him looking into the center of the frame is ideal. I I don't like to zoom in too close. Um, a lot of people I think zoom in too tight. I'm guilty of that. 100%. Uh, 100%. The uh, they want to see the picture of the arrow hitting the animal. And you can see that, um, but animals do some crazy things sometimes after you shoot them. Uh, uh, I did a, a friend of mine shot a, an animal uh, where the herd exploded and one of them jumped and came down into a uh, thing of tumbleweeds and got tangled up in a tumbleweed and couldn't get untangled. It's rolling in this tumbleweed and it can't get loose. And then the animal that was shot was a different animal and uh, it, it 
it, it, it's, it dropped down onto its chest and started pushing with its back legs, or sometimes impalas in Africa almost always jump in the air and they spin in the air and they do some crazy aerial acrobatic stuff after you uh, you shoot them with an arrow and I like to get that stuff on film so you know there's a, a fine line and you'll learn it as you go to not be too tight and not be too far back and that way you can see the arrow easily where it hits the animal um on my videos, I usually repeat the shot in slow motion so that you can see the arrow hit also a little better. Uh, but just, uh, you know, experiment with it. Um, sit outside on your porch with a camera on a tripod and film birds coming in and drinking out of your pool or, or cats jumping over the fence or, you know, uh, things like that. That's what I tell people and nobody ever does it. But uh, But it took me a lot of failed attempts. And if you want to cut the learning curve so that when you get that shot of a lifetime you make sure you get it on video it it's good to go out in the postseason and uh and film the animal that you're after yeah, it's true and i know one thing that from seeing some of your videos is you'll actually set the tripod and you'll actually be walking from the camera or you'll be walking to the camera where you're actually after hunting you actually will stop and make time to capture that image and a lot of times the sun's coming down or the sun's coming up and I think that's just one of those things that we're so programmed to be hunters, we forget to just take that extra 30 seconds to a minute during that hunt just to get that, that film. You know, I think that's a, a great testament to you and what I've seen with some of your films that you've done. Well, thanks. They're, the early ones, I didn't have so much of that, but uh, it's a lot easier to watch uh, YouTube videos and the hunting channel and see things on TV, and, and you just get ideas of things. Oh, that looks, that looks neat, walking with the sun setting behind you or things like that. So... Uh, you just develop an eye for it as you go. It's called B-roll, and, and it just makes for a much more interesting video when you're all done if you just get B-roll along the way, uh, climbing up into a tree stand. You know, set your camera up, turn it on record, and climb up into your tree stand. And all that stuff can be edited in to, to tell the story. Just think about things that you need to do to tell the story. And um, uh, drawing the bow. There are actually video cameras out now. I had a helped a friend buy one a couple days ago where it has a camera that points at you and a camera that points forward on the same video camera and it films you drawing the bow as you're shooting the animal and it puts it in a little square down in the corner um, of you drawing the bow as you're shooting the animal so some of that stuff is done for you I usually have a number of cameras with me I can set one up on a tripod inside the blind filming me um, I can point one at the animal and I really think for a couple of reasons, I actually think filming my hunts has made me a better hunter in the long run. And uh, I can think of two reasons quickly. One is um, the time it takes me to turn on my camera, make sure it's framed. I don't get nervous. That, that great big giant bull or a giant buck is coming towards the water and people say, oh, I would just be trembling. Well, I'm concentrating on the video. I've already identified that he's huge and I'm going to shoot him. I'm no longer looking at the antlers as opposed to watching him walk in for 30 or 40 yards while you're concentrating on those antlers and then you shoot at the antlers instead of his body. So, yeah, uh, but I'm, I'm concentrating on making sure the camera's on, making sure it's recording, going through my little mental list, making sure he's framed in the shot where he's going to walk up and present the shot. I might reach over and turn on another camera and make sure I'm in the frame. You know, usually I set those cameras up, I turn them on and, and test them before the animal comes in so that they're in about the right place. But 
you know, I make sure there's a camera filming me when I draw the bow if I want that. And um, so maybe a minute or so goes by. I get some footage of the animal alive. I'm not getting myself all worked up because I'm not studying his antlers as he comes in. Um, I'm usually able to make a decision pretty quick if I'm going to shoot that one. And then uh, one last check to make sure he's framed before I shoot because uh, – and, and if something happens and I don't get the animal on film, I know people would have a tough time believing that I would pass up these great animals because I've taken some really nice ones. I've been very fortunate. But if I'm not going to get it on film, more likely than not, I won't take the shot. I will pass the shot. It would have to be an absolutely tremendous animal for me to take it knowing I wasn't going to get it on film. So um, as I get older, the taking the animal means less to me and the getting it on film um, on the video actually means as much to me or more on a lot of these hunts than does taking the animal. So I just thoroughly enjoy the filming part. I thoroughly enjoy the editing part. Um, I think one of the things that made me a successful antelope hunter was uh, once ground blinds came along, was going out in the, the preseason, a month or two out, and spending whole days out there sitting in a blind and filming antelope coming into water in June or July when it's very, very dry and there's a lot of animals coming to water and sitting out there. You get very used to being around huge animals if you're in the right spot. Uh, back in the, the days when I first started, you could be around a lot of 80-inch antelope in Arizona if you just sat at a dry water hole in the summertime. 80, 85, 90-inch antelope would come in and they might spend some time there and you became where you were calm around them. You're not shaking anymore. And so when the time came for one of those giant antelope to come in, I wasn't nearly as nervous because I'd spent a lot of time around that particular animal or around animals of that size. So uh, I don't tend to, I'm excited, but I don't get all shaky and forget about everything. And I can still concentrate on the shot. I can still go through the things in my mind because I've spent time around them. And I, I owe that to, in the early days, taking a lot of still photographs and then later uh, taking more videos. Sounds great. We'll have some great tidbits. Uh, anything else for your site, Yeah, a um, couple questions on when you're setting it up in the blind and you're looking for how the sun's going to come up and how it's going to reflect on you. You touched a little bit. Great information on how even if you are in full camo versus in, you know, like a black T-shirt or, or uh, wearing a black hat that it makes you blend in. When that video camera is coming up over the, the open hole, do you pay attention to how the sun's going to reflect off of that lens and possibly reflect to the animal? Excellent question. Um, and silver, you know, some cameras are silver or they have metallic rings around the end of them. They're going to be much worse than the ones that are black and absorb the light a little better. I tend to try and buy all black cameras and video cameras now. Um, I don't have them poking out through the window because if you touch them, the animal's going to see the movement. I've had animals spook because of that. So, so I try and have them just barely inside the blind so that they're in the shade. I try not to let sun reflect off of them. I might put my hat over it if it is reflecting off of it for maybe the middle hour of the day. The sun's at the perfect angle to, to be shining on it. I might put my hat or a beanie or something on it. And if an animal's coming, I try and see it far enough out that I can pull it off. Um, but if it's shining into your lens, that may ruin your shot anyway. But there's usually a small window where it's 
it's going to be reflecting off your camera. You may have to pull it back a little bit. Same thing if it's starting to rain, you may have to pull it back in a little bit. Um, but the farther you have it away from the window, when you turn it on, you, you're not going to be able to turn it left and right as the animal moves. You're going to have a much narrower area of ground to, that you can point it at. Without The closer you have it to the window, the more he can walk around to your far left or your far right, and you can still have it on camera. Um, so I try and keep it as close as possible, um, and I try and keep it low in the, the window so that it almost looks like part of the blind to the animal. Um, but that's a good question. One other, um, I know a lot of different uh, remote shutters are available now, and the movement of you reaching and touching the power button or touching the record button versus having a cord attached and having that remote power button or the, the to turn on the shutter if you're doing just a photography or if it hits record, do you recommend that or do you like manually touching that video camera so that you know exactly when and not accidentally bumping it if it's in a blind or whatnot? That seems like an excellent idea, and I always buy those, and I never use those. So, you know, if you can make yourself use that, that's one more thing uh, to keep minimum of movement. I have spooked animals when I've touched the camera or they see my hand when I reach over to turn it on. Um, some people think that by touching the camera, it's going to have a little shake to the beginning of the video. In editing, that's easy to cut off that little bit of shake you know, when you touch the camera. So I've never been worried about it from that aspect. But but certainly that's a great idea. I just can't make myself use it. I've never gotten the habit of using it, um, but it's probably an excellent idea. And I do buy them sometimes when I get a camera or they come with them, and I tell myself I'm going to use them and I don't. So Briefly, any last tips on if we are outside of a blind and – most of this is geared towards if you're filming a buddy. Um, a lot of people are getting into that, especially we've talked previously about you don't get a tag, but you still want to experience the hunt or you still want to be able to showcase that for a friend or a family member or especially if a kid, if you're taking a youth hunter out and you want to be able to relive those moments. What are some quick tips um, that can help any up-and-coming uh, videographer or anyone that's been doing it, something that you've shared when you're outside of a blind to minimize movement or for better video quality? So, again, even if I'm filming someone else, I um, last year uh, I had a friend that invited me to come and film his bighorn sheep for him and uh, make it into a movie. And so I was there for his whole hunt and filmed the, the hunt and People look at you funny when you ask them to, okay, I want to take a close-up picture of your feet as you're walking past a prickly pear cactus. You know, but that's B-roll. That's just stuff that's going to make it interesting through the movie is just show a close-up of boots, you know, walking past the screen or, or thorns on a bush or, you know, just, you know, when you're watching movies at home, look for stuff like that. You know, look for what kind of stuff made that, wow, that was a great hunting film I watched. What made it great? What made it seem professional? It's little touches like that. Mm. Um, again, I always have it on the, the camera. I turn it on. I say, okay, start walking. The guy walks past the camera so I can film his boots. I turn it off. If you're going to walk around with the camera, which on elk hunting, if you're trying to move in on an elk that's calling, sometimes you have to do that. Make sure before you go out there that you have it set to, 
to whatever the, the best stabilization is and practice with it before you go. But make sure the camera is set to stabilize. You'll get much better. A lot of the cell phones have great stabilization. I have a uh, Samsung Galaxy phone does great stabilization. We're, we're going over rough roads on that sheep hunt in a side-by-side. -side. It's bouncing everywhere, and the, the video is steady smooth because those cameras do a great job. Uh, I was hired to put together a movie for some guys that went to Kyrgyzstan, and uh, they were, I think, four different hunters. They filmed the entire hunt on different models of iPhones and things and then just gave me all their video. It was from horseback. It was from all different things. And, you know, it can all be stabilized, but you're going to get the best quality if you just take a few extra minutes in the field to try and put it on a tripod or make sure that the stabilization's turned on. It's going to be much better quality than if you have to do that in a studio later. And it's just like if you take a, a photograph of you and your kill, you and your bull elk, and he's got blood dripping out of his mouth or got tongue hanging out. You know, a few extra seconds cleaning that up is going to yield much better results than um, trying to do it afterwards in Photoshop. So take a few minutes to make sure that your camera's in stabilization. Hold it as absolute steady as possible. Don't zoom in and zoom out and zoom in and zoom out and zoom in. You know, people just think that they constantly have to have motion. For one thing, that can be added by the computer later. You can zoom in and out with the computer. I'd much rather have people never use the zoom in and zoom out unless they need to. And then just pick one. You know, if you're too far away, zoom in and just stay there. Or zoom out or, you know. But, but if you zoom in, film for at least 10 or 15 seconds. Don't, as soon as you zoom in, turn around and immediately start zooming out. You've got to stop at some point and film a few seconds worth of video. So those are things that I see the most in film that people give me to edit um, are things like that. That's great information. I've learned a lot. Um, I'm going to use a lot of these techniques the next time I uh, either film myself or someone else from CHA or for friend or family member. So we really, really appreciate it. You got any other last parting words? So I'm not going to go into camera models or brands or anything. That's a Chevy versus Ford conversation. But uh, until recent years, I always filmed with, uh, I don't spend a ton on camcorders. Uh, I never spend more than maybe $1,000. You can get a $1,000 camera used um, uh, online or at a camera shop. Some of the top camera stores have used ones. Um, some of the online ones, have, you can buy the same camera used, and it'll, it'll grade it. It'll be like new condition. You can get hundreds of dollars off and get a much better quality camera. You can get a $1,000 camera for five or $600. Um, 4K is much more common now. I would strongly recommend it. It is night and day to get a 4K camera for an extra $100 or so instead of one that's just 1080. So if you're going to buy a camera to try and film your hunts, I would strongly recommend filming in 4K. Um, it just, we went to Africa last year and uh, my partner that was hunting with me used a 1080 camera and I had a 4K camera and it it is astronomically crisper and cleaner uh, with 4K video, worth every penny in my opinion. So whether, whether you're filming from a drone, some people do, do that, you can't do that while you hunt, unfortunately in Arizona. Uh, we could in Africa, so we did some drone footage during the hunt. Um, they they have 4K available as well. Some of the cameras are now going to come out with 8K. It's still a little early for 8K, but um, just get the best camera you can afford. The same advice 
I or most experienced hunters would give, you know, buy the best binoculars you can afford if you're a hunter, uh, buy the best camera you can afford as a photographer. Um, at the After I take an animal, I almost always set up the animal, take some photographs of the animal, and then I put my camera on a tripod. I don't have another hunter hold it. I put it on a tripod, point it towards me. I turn it on. I focus on the animal, and then I go and sit behind it, and then I tell you know, 30 to 60 seconds about the hunt. You know, this elk came in, he came into 24 yards. He was quartering towards me. I waited for the shot, ended up taking a 27 yard shot quartering away. He only went 80 yards. You know, I, I, I say a few minutes about the hunt. So I do that to everything I take. And I would say at this point over the past eight or 10 years, I probably have 90, 90 something percent of the animals that I've taken have been taken on video even if I'm spotting and stalking, that's a much more difficult thing if you're by yourself. Um, they do make GoPros and things to put on your head. I'm not not a big fan of, of the videos on your bow or on your head. I sometimes do that, and that footage can add a little bit to your overall, but don't plan to do the whole hunt that way. You won't be happy with the result. It's just too shaky. Uh, you're not looking at the animal when you shoot, when you release your bow or you shoot the gun, it's going to jerk and, and you're going to be pointing the camera at the sky. You're not going to get the impact shot uh, if if the camera's on the bow or, or on your head. So you're just going to miss getting a good crisp impact shot like you would on a tripod. So, Great advice. Great advice. I think Mike and I both have learned a lot, like we said, on what we need to do the next time when we're out there practicing and the next time... Uh, I, I really enjoyed the information on even when you're sitting there and you're potentially bored, focus in on some of the other animal species coming in. Yeah, it helps you stay awake during the day while you're waiting for your target species to come in. I love to film the birds. I film ripples on the water. I film squirrel in a tree. Um, sometimes I just turn on the camera just to get some background sound. There's an interesting woodpecker making a sound. I'll just take some footage even though I can't see the woodpecker because I can take that piece of sound and put it in the video somewhere, you know, so, so I do a lot of that kind of, uh, thing, um, film every single animal that, that comes in to drink. Um, uh, I enjoy that. Uh, it's just become a huge part of my hunt for me. And like I said, to me, finding more hunts to go on, uh, especially a hunt, you know, where you can go take multiple animals, like an African hunt or something. The biggest part of that is just to get myself more footage. So I have more time to play, but, um, my information is available online. I'm a record book major for almost every record book. Uh, bowhuntinginarizona.com is the state bowhunting record book. You can go on there, find my information. Anyone that wants to ask questions or advice about filming, I'm happy to help anybody editing, learning how to edit, editing software. Any, I love to help people begin. So if you have questions about any of that, feel free to call me. I'm happy to help anybody get started. Thank you very much, Marvin. All right, so that's uh, ends our uh, how-to uh, portion, which has to do with uh, self-filming. So we really appreciate it, and as we always do, we like to end in prayer. So I'll end us in prayer. Lord God, we just uh, we love you, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord. We just ask that you bless our fellowship, Lord, and, our, and allowing our friend Marvin to come down to the pod with us today. And we just ask that uh, you just uh, bless our country, Lord, bless our troops, Lord. And we also ask that if you anybody out there that needs a prayer request, you can always reach out to us through Christian Hunters America info at christianhuntersamerica.org. God bless you, everybody.
Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Christian Hunters of America podcast. If you have any prayer requests or you require any information, please look us up on christianhuntersofamerica.org or you can reach us on Facebook or Instagram under Christian Hunters of America.